I'm Michelle, certified personal trainer and certified nutrition coach. And I'm Marissa, and I'm a certified nutrition coach and group fitness instructor. And this is the Strong and Simple Podcast. We're tackling the latest fads, trends, and hot topics in the nutrition, wellness, and fitness industries using science and conversation to bust myths and give you the information you need to navigate the bullshit. Tune in for your twice a week truth bombs every Tuesday and Friday. We, Michelle Farrell and Marissa Zabo of the Strong and Simple Podcast, reside on Pawtucket land. We acknowledge the land and the Pawtucket people, as well as the land and the people of the many Native nations of whom the land belongs. To respect and honor them and their land, as well as to be mindful of the harm colonialism has and continues to do on the Indigenous people of the United States and the world. This land acknowledgement is our commitment to support Indigenous peoples and their voices in the struggle against systemic oppression and for human rights, as well as to push against the canceling and erasure of their history, their stories, their culture, and their present. We encourage you to visit native-land.ca to discover whose land you are residing on, as well as ways to support Indigenous folks. All right, welcome to another episode of the Strong and Simple Podcast. This is Michelle Farrell, and I am joined with my co-host Marissa Zabo and our very special guest today, the incredible Shani Gallen, who is on a mission to liberate women from the obsessive pursuits and mindset of diet culture so they can nourish themselves healthily and happily. Thank you so much for joining us today, Shanique. Thank you for having me on, Michelle and Marissa. I'm so excited to talk with you today. This is this is going to be fantastic. So thank you for taking the time to sit down with us and, and share all your knowledge and insights with us. We appreciate it. I'm excited. So we like to start with you sharing a little bit about you know, who you are and how you got into, you know, fitness and nutrition and nutrition coaching specifically. Um, and we'll just go from there. All right. Um, I, that's a long story. So we, um, we're going to do cliff. We're going to do, do cliff notes. So um, I got into fitness first as a fitness pro. So I was a personal trainer and group fitness instructor did that for years interestingly enough nutrition at the time wasn't something i was super excited about i had learned a lot i did cert and it but it didn't light me up it was one of those things where at the time i was very heavy into dieting and physique competitions what's not suitable for the main population so people who i coached at the time who wanted nutrition advice and guidance um i was more or less guiding them based on my own personal experience and limiting it to what I was doing. So at the time, I was super excited about it. And it was a compliment to the work I was doing, but it wasn't the focus. The focus was the fitness. Um, but I still did it. Fast forward years after that, and it became something that was more of a focus because I realized I started to veer away from the restrictive methods and doing things certain ways that just didn't align with where I was going in life and my values at the time and my life situation at the time. So eventually I switched, not switched so much as transitioned from the overly obsessive, you know, 
food control, um, body checking and body control to trying to do things intuitively um, to nourish myself, focus more on the nourishing side of nutrition um, and wellness. And that's how I ended up here. Um, and that's been a very long like time span. So mm-hmm. I mean, it might sound very short, but no, it's been like closer to, I'd say, 15 that's a 15 year wow time span so um so now it's more nutrition from a nourishing perspective as opposed to nutrition from a let me use it to control the way my body looks um which is why that's my ethos liberating women from the obsessive pursuit of that cultural mindset and practices so that they can actually eat healthily and happily but inherently all of that is intuitively and we've lost most of us have lost the ability to trust ourselves with our food and with our bodies because we've spent so much time trying to change our bodies and the way we pursue food um for that towards that end has kind of boxed us into some very narrow spaces so my mission really is to help people free themselves from that and find nutrition that is inherently wholesome and nourishing not just from a food perspective from but also with the way they think about not just food but their bodies and bodies in um like physical bodies but also bodies in the environments that they live in the shape that they take in the environments they live in yeah yeah, I love that. I'm like 110% behind that. That's awesome. It's, and you know, in, in my experience working with folks along similar lines, it's a big shift to get people to start thinking differently about how they're nourishing and to get them to kind of reconnect with that intuitive side of, of eating. And it can be frustrating because it's a long process, right? It took us our entire lives to get where we are with food. And then we've got to go back and rewrite those scripts. Could you speak a little bit to what it's like for you when you're working with folks and trying to kind of rewrite those scripts with them and change that approach? And what would you say to somebody who's trying to do that and is getting frustrated with how long it can take? Um, the first thing is, one, the self-awareness that you're not going to undo, not going to undo, but you're not going to rewrite mm. a script that you spent majority of your life, some people, their whole lives um, in a matter of weeks. Mm. And that in and of itself is setting the context. You are not going, it's not possible. So if you're expecting that, newsflash. If not, I'm going to be that mirror for you and say straight up, it's not going to happen, which means in the process, you're going to, one, let go of a timeline, because mm-hmm. that's that's ultimately the hang up here. People attach deadlines. They want to have this done in six weeks, 12 weeks, six months. Let go of a timeline. And if you're stuck on a timeline, then I'm, this might sound harsh, but that's <laughs> one of the things I'm very clear on. It's a boundary I said. If you're stuck on a timeline, I might not be the coach you're going to want to work with. Yeah. Because I'm not going to hit you to a timeline. Mm-hmm. I don't work on timelines just because nutrition in of itself and any one person, timeline sets you up to fail. Mm. Yes. And fail in the sense that you set, put real unrealistic expectations on yourself. And also you are 
forcing things that might not need to be forced or pushing yourself in ways that you inherently might not need to push yourself um, because the change that you want is one scripted by the environment you've grown up in or the things you've absorbed and the messages you've absorbed and um, taken on as your own stories and narratives and because of that you think you need how your health and how your life and your nutrition needs to look is one thing when you have no control over what it's going to look like so to that person who's getting frustrated is the first thing is to let go of the timelines and recognize that you're not going to do it in any short order that said you can also set yourself up doing simple things and it might sound simple but I think you guys I think I think you ladies will understand the whole concept here that um the smallest step is the most um, valuable thing you ever do and I say small I mean so small you might think it's insignificant and that's where the magic happens so if you're looking for this big grand reveal big grand secret magic trick it's in the tiny small insignificant things mm-hmm. and as you do them and they build on top of each other then you start to release a lot of the things that you've held on to um you start to free yourself up a bit more you start to explore nutrition explore yourself explore your life explore food in new ways so um that's a long-winded way of saying <laughs> um is releasing the expectation the release letting go of the timeline but also being real with the fact that it's not going to happen overnight it's not going to happen even in a couple of weeks and it all depends on where it is you want to go. Because a lot of people have this set idea that it needs to look like this. When how your life unfolds and how the things you do unfold might end up not being anything like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, that we have this, we live in a world where everything is, you know, the 21 day fix or the, you know, build a rewrite your habits in 30 days or 30 day challenges and before and after pictures and the transformations always seem to happen so fast. But when we actually think about those types of transformations, when they're in related to body change, even, um, you probably actually worked on those transformations over and over and over and over. It wasn't even that fast of a change because you kept doing them over and over and over again, kind of spinning your wheels. So we do live in a world where we're looking for that quick fix. So when we are ready to let go of those rules and expectations for our bodies and want to heal our relationship with them it can be well I want it now I want it now I want to feel good now and then recognizing that you're undoing all of that you're unlearning right mm-hmm. yeah um also there is the idea that in it's just, it's almost like the same thing like you just said yeah. when you're in it as in as in that culture and you're you're stuck in this you need to get to this outcome. When you are unlearning, you kind of go with the same idea that, okay, I need to unlearn, it needs to happen now, and it needs to look like this. When, like I said before, you don't know how it's going to look, which means it's going to be highly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's the discomfort that a lot of people aren't willing to deal with. 
Like they want to get through that little discomfort, that little, you know, that little discomfort before they get to the happy side. When you're gonna spend a lot of it in being uncomfortable. That's that's the truth. Because mm. um, when you start to unlearn things and even look back at some things you probably used to do or think, the 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 likelihood of you going, oh damn, I can't believe I did that. Punishing yourself for things you used to do or used to think is also something that might come up. Mm. And that in and of itself is something that you're going to have to then unlearn. Okay, punishing myself is not going to help. So you see, as you continue to unlearn and shift, you're always going to have to take a step back. So you think you're making progress, but then you're going to have to... And the step back is not not making progress. It is actually It actually is making progress. You know, they say you have to take 10 steps forward and a few steps back to make progress it's the same thing here so as you unlearn or let me say unlearn comes up people get lost people are i don't know what that means peel the layers back because mm. i think i'd rather use that use that mm. unlearning is a matter of literally just peeling layers you're trying to get to the core of things because when, when it comes to body change and health change a lot of people think it's mostly external and it's just about the food and it's just about the fitness. But as you will know, both of you will know that those are just symptoms, if not um, ex- superficial things. There are, so, there are deeper things that impact our ability to nourish ourselves well, to stick to our fitness routine, to take care of our sleep. We're talking about things like self-worth. We're talking about the trauma that we've experienced. So when I say unlearn, it means getting to the root, the deeper layers that exist. And that's not spoken a lot about in the nutrition and fitness space. It's because the outcome is what everybody's after. How can I sell this program to get people the body that they want? How can I sell this you know, diet to get people the, the outcome that they want? And people want that outcome and they want it. No. Um, but the work I do for sure, I don't, to be honest, I don't even look at food for a lot of people. Yeah. And I don't know about you, Marissa. I don't know if it, that works the same way where half of the time, if not 75% of the time, the food is the very last thing we talk about. Yeah. Or the food is the very last thing we focus on. Mm. Yeah. 100%. I feel the same way. It's like the food's more like a symptom in some ways. And so you really do have to dig to the root. Um, I loved your point about the discomfort. And as you were saying that I was thinking like, okay, but doing a diet is really uncomfortable too, right? Completely overhauling the way you eat, depriving yourself of your favorite foods, things like that is really uncomfortable too. And I think it's really telling that that discomfort has been so normalized with people when the discomfort of digging into your stuff um, is something people want to avoid at all costs, you know? Yeah. Um, and, it, but, and that goes back to, or that goes to what's normalized in our society, in our families, in our communities. Um, digging to the uncomfortable stuff is not because you learn in your communities or you learn from early that you know you need to be strong. Don't be a wimp. You don't need to show your feelings. At least in some in some people's homes and communities, um, it's a sign of weakness. Don't show those types of things. Don't show emotion. You know, suck it up. So you're not supposed to show that other side to you. Um, 
and when it comes to the dieting for instance what's normalized is you need to cut out the food you need to go through that discomfort and that pain to get the outcome of the body or um, the look that you want because that's revered and that's celebrated you talking about your trauma is not it's not sexy it's not happy <laughs> you know um that's not celebrated that's not put on a pedestal that's not put on a light is put on that if anything that's things you hide that's the oh that's the ugly stuff you hide but it's ugly you telling me how much it hurts to do this exercise or how much you cried at in the spin class or how you know you're you're it's painful to eat just lettuce or a salad for lunch and you'd rather have a chipotle bowl you know what I mean um it's what's celebrated and what's given yeah what's what's uh what's the dominant I think celebrate I'll leave it at that what's celebrated makes one discomfort um a little more palatable yeah than other that's a great word for it palatable I like it yeah it's like the digging into and means examining your family and your communities and your trauma and by hyper-focusing and controlling your food and your fitness in such a way allows you to not have to examine those things, but then relate to people on that superficial level of Oh, what diet did you start this Monday? If we think about even, you know, workplace conversations, it's really nice out today. Oh no, we're getting a blizzard. Oh, are you on keto? Oh, did you try whole 30 or whatever? And it's the superficialness of like, oh, well, I'm going to connect with you in this uncomfortable place, but it's actually, it's not the deep uncomfortableness. Yeah, I mean, people tell you if that's what you want, you go for therapy. And there's the truth in that. There is a lot of truth in that because that's something I recommend to Mm -hmm. 99% of my clients. Because guess what? I'm not a therapist and I'm not going to attempt to do the work of a therapist. However, what I do do is I present, I offer people an option to what they've always gotten, where they figure that they are the problem, that it's you know, the lack of willpower, it's the lack of discipline, it's, you know, not wanting it bad enough. And while that may be true, for one, it's not me for, it's not for me to judge how bad somebody wants something. And I find that to be very prevalent and that's used as an argument for people, um, why people haven't gotten the results that they've wanted because they don't want it bad enough. And I'm, I'm like, that's you being judgmental. You can't tell me whether I want something bad enough or not. Um, what matters to people is okay. I um, I have two. If you have two kids, and you've got a job that has you working, you know, all hours of the day, and then you get home and you're a single parent, and you have to take care of your kids. You have to make sure your kids have your homework done. They have all of these things. You don't have any help. How then are you to to you know? stick to whatever it is you're supposed to stick to when that said plan and program doesn't account for any of those things you don't you know talk about when people have you know arguments with their spouse or they're not having good relationships with their spouses or they're in toxic relationships relationships that beat them down relationships relationships that attack their self-worth and all those things 
those things are considered when somebody is trying to follow a program, you know, um, the human side of people. And I always say that and people are like, what, what does that mean? It means the things you don't see, the things you don't know about. And if those things aren't considered when you are um, talking to people and when you're inviting people to look at habits or look at the things that they want to change, if those things aren't considered, honestly, people aren't going to get anywhere. So you have to invite them to consider those things. Because, yeah. I mean, somebody could want it all the want it done to the very core and I've seen it I myself have experienced it working with people who want it done to the core but until they address some other things no amount of wanting it is going to make it happen mm. no matter how much I want it to happen for them and I have to be okay with that as a coach because it's not my job to do that for them it's for them to do and then when they're ready to deal with those things I can support them on one level but they're going to also need support to help them wade through whatever it is that they need to wade through in order for them to take the, the action that's the actions that they need to take which is where I come in to guide them through that a lot of people don't consider that a lot of coaches don't consider that they just figure okay here's your plan mm-hmm. and move with it and I find that so problematic. Even the coaches who talk about this non-diet and, you know, um, I'm a non-diet coach, but these are the things you need to do if you still want to get and that. That makes no sense because you're not considering the person. You're not considering their lives. Yeah. The recommendations are always going to come from what you think is best and that's important that you take your judgment take your criticism take yourself out of the client experience or the person's experience because it's not yours Mm -hmm. yeah we always hear the we all have the same 24 hours you know and i'm like i do not have the same 24 hours as um, a single mom with three kids who's working three jobs. They do not have the same 24 hours as I have. I don't have the same 24 hours as either of you. Like, yeah. it's just not true. And it's just so narrow-minded mm-hmm. um, to think like that, you know, but we hear that so often. So that also sets folks up when that is such a popular mantra. Yeah. Um, it sets people up to be like, well, yeah, I should be able to do this program um, the way my coach lined it out for me. Um, and it's just really unfortunate that that is still such the prevalent way of coaching. Yeah. So yeah. I think, you know, because I think it is like very in right now, right? To like call yourself a non-diet coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we need to like look at how we're defining diet, right? Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. because you're not describing Weight Watchers or keto or something like that doesn't mean that what you're doing is not akin to a diet, right? And I think a fundamental aspect of dieting that, Shanique, you were getting at is this one-size-fits-all approach, mm-hmm. um, you know? Yeah, um, it's important. I'm glad you brought that up uh, because, yes, everybody's stepping on this non-diet um, title these days. And what I find problematic with it is you might not be recommending a diet, but 
you still have that mentality. You mm. still think that the ultimate health for you is to control your body to look X, Y, and Z. And if you are failing at that, then you're failing. Mm-hmm. They might not say that, but the ultimate aim is following this plan so you can get to this outcome. And, and there's nothing wrong with having plans, right? But if you're boxing people into this, okay, I'm not that, but I'm still going to suggest that you do X, Y, and Z to get to here. Versus how can we help you make changes that suit you, as in they'll benefit you, but also you can accommodate. You've got the, not just the, the um, willingness, but ready, not just the readiness, but willingness and ability to do these things in order to get where you want to go. But again, well, like I said, people are stuck on having time on doing these things in, in, in short term, which is why I'm not a big fan of six-week programs anymore or short programs anymore. From That's just my personal um, perspective. I believe in developing long-term relationships with people, certainly mm-hmm. if we're talking nutrition, because it is not a, I'm not about a short term, I'm not about giving people short-term solutions for anything. In fact, I'm not about giving people solutions about anything. I invite people to discover their own solutions because guess what? They're the ones living in their lives, not me. Exactly. And I think that's what's inherently gone wrong with the industry. Hmm. People, the assumption that people don't know what's best for them. I'm like, I'm a grown ass person. You, yeah. you, like, I'm a grown, yeah. There are yeah. things that I might be misguided about, but at the end of the day, what do I want? And what, not just what do I want? What can I do? What can I do consistently? And um, what can I sustain? Right? Mm-hmm. What can I do consistently? And if I can't do it consistently, then one is not a failing. It just means I'm not at that level. And then that's the other thing. A lot of coaches and trainers tell people that they are going to be honest with them. But the honesty is, is mild in judgment so and then on the flip side of that people don't want to hear that they can't do certain things people aren't willing to accept that they can't they're just not able to do certain things they figure out okay i need to be able to do this i should be able to do this Mm. and that's where we screw ourselves up (laughs) like if that was the case we would all be masters in all the things we wanted to do how many times have you tried to do something and you're like, I should be able to do this, only to realize you wasted time, effort, money, and energy mm-hmm. doing okay. things when uh, you either probably should have scaled it back in the first place or hire somebody else to do it for you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, it's the same thing here. Not that you can't hire somebody to, to feed you. I mean, you can, really. But until you learn how to trust yourself, but also... Um, take the judgment away and treat yourself with compassion and kindness when you are unable to do things but knowing that there is a you are you're always able to do something and guess what that something will count it might not look like 
what you would do if you had all cylinders firing or all the resources at your fingertips, but it's still something you can do and that's worth something. And I think that's what's missing from a lot of the from the space. Mm. Celebrating those little small moments and having them count. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I love that this conversation has turned in this direction. One of the things that Michelle and I had tossed around the idea of was like doing a series, interviewing people who had worked with a coach and really loved that experience so that we could start talking about like what makes a good coach? What are people looking for in a coach? And I really do think that a hallmark of a good coach is somebody who doesn't tell you what to do. It's somebody who guides you in finding what is right for you to do and who is willing to be there to celebrate and understands that no win is too small. Every single win is worth celebrating. Yeah, I think to the truth, I think maybe it's because it's been the way for so long where people want to be told what to do. And I figure that that's the way that they're going to get. Success. I mean, whether you're doing a business, whether you have a business coach or you hire a trainer or you work with a nutrition coach, you will often hear people say, I just want somebody to tell me what to do so I can get to X. I'm like, even if we tell you what to do, mm-hmm. it may or may not suit you. It may or may not work for you. Are you willing to do that? And if they are, then sure. But understand that in doing so, there are lessons to be learned from it. And if then if the if people don't know that or don't go in with that idea, then they're always gonna be starting over. They're always gonna be trying something new. They're always gonna be looking for the next magic trick, the next big secret, the next I don't know, unicorn. <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, I think a lot of what is missing, I may have said this before, is personal responsibility and acceptance um and that's key in anything really whether you are trying to make money um you know grow business or um pursue health differently uh work on your marriage whatever the case is personal responsibility and acceptance is important why because until you have that the progress that you make won't matter or uh, you'll struggle with making the progress that you want to make and mm-hmm. put it that way. Mm-hmm. You have personal responsibility. It's recognizing that you, it falls in your hands that regardless of what the coach can tell you, anything, your counselor can tell you anything, your therapist can tell you anything until you decide that you're going to own it and make a step, then it doesn't matter what that person tells you to do it could be the most perfect plan and if you don't take personal responsibility for what you choose to do then (laughs) two things will happen one you'll always be blaming somebody else for your success your lack of success um but you will never credit them for it either um and then the other thing is that you'll always be chasing something yeah always you'll never be satisfied Mm. And within the nutrition space and the fitness space, empowering people, or if there's a way for us to show people that there's power in taking personal responsibility, like so much power in doing that. And then that self, that personal acceptance, 
like it's 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 just a different thing. Like when if I'm sure either of you, when you work with clients and they realize how much power they have when they choose when they realize that they can choose to do a, like a small fitness snack, for instance. Uh-huh. Um, versus they, they have the program. The program says they need to do four or five exercises for the day, but whatever happens during the day and they're like, wait, I, c- I can do two or one exercise and they do that and then what it does for them and then they report that to you and you're like oh my god that was so you know that was so good and then it motivates them and inspires them to do it again the next day I'm sure very soon that we have your clients just any small thing that they realize they're like it's almost like having an aha moment that okay they choose to take a breath before they you know have a meal so that they are aware of what's going on in their body and they report that and they're like wow you know I'm glad that you took that and then you ask them what do they feel or how did it feel and then you hear what it does for them they're like you know I realized I could I realized just how much more effective it was if I did that versus if I just went all in on my meal as an example um and how the report maybe you know they're not so stuffed or they're not bloated or whatever the case might be. But when they take personal responsibility for the things that they do, it makes the progress that much easier to celebrate, however small it is. And then it adds to the consistency and then progress just becomes this never ending thing, mm-hmm. which is what you want, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And there's no better feeling as a coach than when your client comes to you and is like, I did this, you know, like they're triumphant or they've had that aha moment. And it's like, yes, all is right with the world. (laughs) Everything's so good. Yeah. Right. So even if you give them the guidance, you give them the plan, you might even say some of the same things they're having. They're having aha moments about until they take responsibility and then see it through the eyes of that acceptance or that um awareness Mm. it's like oh that aha moment is just them repeating what you've already said to them but they now actually get it because they've done that work they've like okay i've taken responsibility i'm now aware of what it is i'm doing this is a revelation who knew (laughs) exactly so great yeah they they own it it's theirs because it was their choice. It was there, you know, with the guidance and the facilitation, um, as opposed to checking boxes, right? Checking off boxes of on the to-do list, like the, of the plan. Yeah. Like, yay, I was a good student today. And it's like, nope, that's not the, the goal ultimately is your growth. I mean, and sometimes uh, I'll stick a pin on that checkbox. And sometimes checking the box isn't a bad thing. That's and I use an example like fitness, because I'm. This is my experience. Mm-hmm. I might not want to work out. Granted, I'm not working with a trainer or anything. I just it's just part of my daily yeah. thing. And I might maybe it's my pee start my period, and I have all these reasons I don't want to work out. But I know when I do, especially during that time of the month, I feel a little better. Mm-hmm. The hard part is just starting it. And some days, like maybe two days ago, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to check this box. Literally, that's it. Let me just check the box. I wasn't trying to, you know, break a big sweat. I wasn't trying to, you know, achieve any PRs for me. So it was about getting the movement in. Mm. Checked it and I'm like, okay, I can get on with my day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so checking a box sometimes is... Is a necessary 
step in the sense that it keeps you on the path to what it is that you want. So if making moving daily is something that's something that you want to do and you're not in the mood for it, but you know it will it will help you feel better in some way, shape or form. It adds to your mood, adds to your energy somewhere. Mm-hmm. You're like, mm, let me just get it out of the way and be done. And you don't have to be happy about it. You don't have to be um you know motivated. Mm-hmm. At least walking, which you got you you both you, you might understand. It co- it's cold here in Washington. Uh, if you, <laughs> Michelle knows I've been bitch, I bitch about the cold all, <laughs> all the time, right? So going out for walks, I have a dog, um, which forces us to go outside. On the days that I don't want, I'm like, okay, Siggy, let's go. And even if it's half of the distance I normally do, for me, it's checking a box. I'm like, all right. And I come back and I feel better having done it. So sometimes checking the box is a necessity because it one keeps us present. But again, for that to happen, you have to already go through the whole personal responsibility, mm-hmm. self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, it becomes what you guys said it, it is. It's just checking a box because somebody says I need to do this versus checking it because it's adding value to my life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yep. So, yeah, so checking a box sometimes can be a good thing. Um, but I wanted to circle back to, I think this is the first question Marissa asked me because, um, <laughs> and I'm still answering it clearly. That's okay. Um, <laughs> Perfect. What would I say to someone who is possibly frustrated when it comes to unlearning? I mean, it's not even so much about unlearning. It's just develop or recreating or building something for yourself such that it is something that you can um do on your own that's something that it's becomes a part of you it's something that's intuitive a part of that is realizing that you have to check in with your and I, i'm going to use this from my lens it's especially when it comes to nutrition because i use this a lot of nutrition but it's applicable to a lot of things certainly fitness as well it's checking in with how you feel in your body, um, you know, and I think there's a disconnect for a lot of people with body, with self, and and that's very key. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it. I talk about it a lot, and people are like, but nobody wants to talk about it. I'm like, well, guess what? If you are not aware of what's happening with your body, you won't know how to nourish it. You won't know how to feed it. And by feeding it, I don't just mean food. You won't know how to take care of it. So you have to touch it in with your body. So checking in with your body. Um, but also, what's going to facilitate that or help you do that with a little more purpose and intent is assessing all the things that you believe, which is part of that learning piece. And it's a process. So you're checking in with your body and then looking at the beliefs that you have and the ideas and perceptions that you have. How are they driving the way you do things like checking in with your body? How are they driving the way that you look at yourself? How are they driving what you choose to eat? How you choose to eat? Whether you think you need to go on a diet all the time, because if you have a belief that putting on weight is just a, is a bad thing, and you always have to be you know, controlling and managing your body, never mind the fact that you're healthy, <laughs> controlling and managing your body, it's going to create this constant conflict. And it's going to cause things like, you think you need to punish yourself. You thinking that you can't, you know, deserve to have certain types of foods or experiences. So mm-hmm. checking in with your, 
or assessing the beliefs that you do have is also something that's important. Because why I said what I do is not about food. It's deeper than that. And then the other piece is around food. Reclaiming food as the nourishment that it is. Mm. And not just fuel. Mm. I'm guilty of somebody who used to say food is fuel. Mm-hmm. I'm guilty. Like yeah. I that I was I was probably I don't know. I would preach. I was a preacher on a pulpit with that. Right? <laughs> but we know food is so much more than that. If you see my stories on Instagram or basic bowl in general, you know I talk about food. I talk, I, I talk about food, but I talk about food differently. Yeah. Yes, it's all of these things. It's protein, it's vegetables, it's fats, it's carbs, but it's so much more than that. Mm. It's how you choose to nourish yourself. It's how you choose to connect to people. It's how you choose to tap into your culture. It's how you choose um, joy and pleasure. And those things are important, mm-hmm. right? And then if you don't have all of those things, how can you tend to your health? Like, literally, how is your health even important if you're not willing to check in with your body? If you're not looking at the beliefs that you have that skew or... or um, Right, that's skewed the way you think about health and your body. Mm-hmm. If you're not reclaiming food as punishment, how will you elevate your health then? Let's put it this because a lot of people are about improving their health and elevating their health and um being their best selves. How will you do that if you don't know all of that? Yeah. So to the person who's frustrated, that is why it is not a twelve week, six week process. It's a process of learning or unlearning, relearning. Mm-hmm. unlearning relearning process moving forward stepping back that type of thing so um that sums up that piece <laughs> it was a beautiful summary touching on the food as culture part um i think that that's also a really important piece to to touch on because in this industry there is such encouragement to detach from your foods that are a part of your culture um, and a part of the the foods that you may have grown up with or, and I mean, you was like the greater like worldly sense, right? So um, to be the the whitewashing of foods really to be, you know, you're going to eat the tilapia with the steamed broccoli and that's what you're going to eat. And it's like, but and they the the demonization of foods that cultures have eaten and enjoyed and celebrated with and connected with and nourished themselves with for millennia, right? So um, I think that that's a really important piece is for coaches, if there are coaches listening, um, to recognize that a person's cultural connection to food is really important too. Um, as well as accessibility to food. Yeah. 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 Which is why it's important for any coach working with anybody around nutrition. You really have to meet the person where they're at. You have to, which is why I assess, I believe in assessment. And I'm not talking about just asking the arbitrary question. I'm talking assess because you want to have an understanding of what the person can do, what the person has access to, what the person is um, willing to do. And how environmental, cultural, all of those things impact the person's ability to live in the space that they're living in. 
and food is part of that and far too often i see it being ignored where like i said people just say all right you come to me you want to this is your goal you want to lose weight or you want to do this here's a prescription Mm. lap it on you and go and figure it out um and i use no i'm not gonna sorry i was gonna i was gonna attack a particular not attack i was probably gonna bring up a particular group of people like i said i'm not gonna do that let's we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna keep it clean here I'm real here um let me let me just not go there okay. um what i will what I will say is you have to you have to consider it because I'll use an example. My example, my own experience is years ago, and I do mean years, when I was um I had a nutritionist, I've had nutritionists over the years. Um incidentally, majority of them have been in the dieting space when I was deep in dieting. And I wasn't somebody who was hopping from diet to diet. I was compete, so I competed. Um um, in bodybuilding and physique competition. So a lot of my dieting was centered around that. But one of the things that I recognized was the coaches were just interested in how did you do with your food? I may have said things like, you know, I had a really stressful day and X, Y, Z. And I was I would like just report all of those things and all of it was glossed over and the food was the only thing that they were concerned with. So the impression then to me was, okay, I just have to suck it up and figure out those things and focus on the food. But it didn't serve me very well because it didn't teach me how to move past those obstacles. Like, it was just, okay, lock them up in a box and leave them. But then the moment I ended with the coach, I'm like, okay, back to... The way things were and how I would deal with food given the particular issue versus okay, how can we make this simpler? Or here's a change that we we'll probably have to make given what you're experiencing now. And a lot of coaches don't particularly do that. They're like, are you following the, the, the plan? No. Okay, I'll give you a limited list of options because it's my experience. When clients they don't have a clue what the experience is. Things like vegetables, and I use this often. Access is a very, very important thing to acknowledge. Things like asparagus and um, what's the other popular American spinach mm-hmm. were two two of those vegetables that, whenever I would get like a food list, was a part of it, right? In fact, let me forget those. None of the vegetables that I that were common. I'm from Jamaica. So at the time when I lived in Jamaica, the vegetable list or the food list had none of the Jamaican foods. Mm-hmm. So what we call ground provisions are things like sweet potatoes, tubers, right? But my ground provisions were things like green banana, which you boil, um, yam, which is not like your sweet potato slash yam here, um, cassava, those types of things. Mm-hmm. But none of those things were on the list. You had rice, you had sweet potato, and it was a very limited list. Vegetables like um, what we call pak choy is what you guys call bok choy here. Um, things like that. What we call kalaloo, which is similar to either green chard or collard greens. Um, not on a list. So mm-hmm. things like food lists. And I will use food lists because that's a common thing that yeah. coaches tend to be showed. Mm-hmm. Food lists are inherently limited. Yeah. 
inherently limited, whether you're talking, whether you look geographically speaking or culturally speaking, they're inherently limited. So when coaches throw a food list or throw out, okay, let's have this plan without any consideration for someone's culture, someone's access, someone's um, capabilities. I mean, come on, you are setting people up for a hard, a hard, harder time, you know? Um, so I even forgot where I was going with all of that. Oh, Michelle brought up the cultural, the cultural, the cultural piece. I was just saying that coaches dismiss mm-hmm. all the things that the typical um, assessment forms mm-hmm. would ask. Yeah. Like, a lot of things are just not accounted for in assessment forms. And this is not to say that coaches will capture everything, because you can't. Right. But, I mean, for each client, it's going to be different. Yeah. And it has to be considered. Absolutely. So, Shanique, how... I know that you mentioned long-term relationships and when working with folks, what what does that look like? If somebody wants to work with you, what would a typical, um, what would that look like? Um, well, I have a minimum three months um, one-on-one uh, commitment that clients work with minimum three months. Um, I had dropped it from four to three. Um, and what that looks like, for one, I'm not going to be a coach that's going to be showing up every single week because you don't need, you don't need that. You don't need me every yeah. single week. It's something that's overkill, I think. Um, but also, this looks like doing exactly what I said, checking in with the body. And that can take one week, two weeks, four weeks, depends on what's uncovered. Um, some people, depending on what some people have or what some people are struggling with or need guidance on. Um, I work in three, I work in three, three phases, not phases so much as pillars. So I look at mindset, I look at practices and I look at sustainable practices. It's not practices, sustainability, full stop not just um, in food practices. So somebody might come in and depends on what the assessment tells me, they might need help more on the mindset side. Someone comes in and their mindset, not so bad, but it's not where the bulk of the work is. They struggle with putting certain things in practice. That's what we focus on. And then somebody might be having, you know, needing to level up in certain areas and what they want is as more sustainability. That's what we focus on. So, which is why I say I don't believe in six-week programs anymore, even though this is somebody who had a six-week program a couple months ago. Um, The point for the work that we do is developing a relationship, creating a connection, but understanding what is important to this person, what is driving, what is driving their um, desire to change, and how can we use that to inspire the changes that they want and also changes that they didn't be, they weren't aware that need to be made. Um, and this isn't necessarily pushing that change. It's just something that sometimes often happens as a result of that work. And some people work for the three months and then they're like, okay, I'm okay to go on and try. Some people stay on for six, 
some people will for the year. So it all depends on what we discover initially. And um, I say, and with nutrition coaching, a lot of people like, well, why would I want a nutrition coach for 12 months if I'm not working towards this one particular thing? And I'm saying nutrition isn't one thing for everybody. Like, it's just not one thing, full stop. It looks differently for everybody. And like we said, sometimes it's not about the nutrition. And my last client, the client I had um, recently, her thing was um, being diagnosed with a particular condition. And she had no clue that was what she was being led different era like sat like completely um off path and being diagnosed with particular condition presents a whole new set of challenges for her and how she can navigate the nutrition piece but not just the nutrition how the way she thinks about nutrition no because it's going to require some nutrition changes but what she was being recommended to do instantly sent her back into things that she has worked on overcoming. So then how can we then consider this new condition and then, you know, things she can do to uh, shift her mind or maintain her mindset rather um, and also shift the habits if she needs to small in small ways so that she can better help her condition or not make it worse uh, and then navigate it because it's not something like she can completely get away from right now it's a long learning a big learning curve mm-hmm. um and that's something that's not going to take place in 12 weeks that's something that takes repeated consultation repeated you know check-ins um work non-stop work so somebody like that is a different relationship from somebody who just want some solutions on making meals a certain way or for their lifestyle. So they already, they're not worried about their mindset. They're just stuck on, they only know salt and pepper seasoning. Let's say that, for instance. <laughs> and they want different ways to make meals simple for themselves and their family. That's a different kind of client, a different kind of relationship. So someone wanting to work with me, understand first and foremost that mindset is always going to be something top of mind. It's going to be something that's weaved in, whether or not it's a main focus or something supplementary, it's going to be weaved in. Practices, what you can already do, are things that are going to be highlighted all the time, celebrated all the time, as we work on the things that you want to shift or you want to get better at. Um, And like I said, it's not going to be a short-term thing. And it's not me giving you my agenda. It's creating your own agenda which again drives how long that relationship is going to last amazing and so how can people connect with you shanique well i'm on instagram you can find me at shanique allen underscore um that's where i spend most of my time you can also join my email list and if you go to my instagram you will find that also on the link and I have my new cohort of um, Master Your Nutrition. That's my group coaching uh, program, 12 weeks. That, that's, a, that's a hybrid group one-on-one coaching program. That starts again in, uh, what are we, February, March? March. Great. Um, you can, once you get on my email list, you will get details about that. So that's how you can connect with me. 
Amazing. And I cannot recommend your emails, your newsletters more. I was, for those listening, I was saying before we started recording that there are not many newsletters that I read and eagerly look forward to, um, but Shanique's always are. So definitely we will link um, her Instagram and um, how to get on her email list in there and then check out her Master Your Nutrition um, group slash one-on-one programming. Um, anybody would be very lucky to work with you. So yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you and just hearing all of your insights. It's been awesome. Thank you, Shanique. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was lovely talking to you ladies as well. This has been an episode of the Strong and Simple podcast. If you'd like to learn more about any of the topics we've discussed or about any of our guests, please make sure that you visit us on Instagram at strong and simple podcast. And if there's ever any topics, questions, concerns, anything that you would like to suggest to us, please feel free to email us at strong and simple podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. content of this podcast represents the views and opinions of Michelle Farrell, Marissa Zabo, and their guests, and is not intended to be individualized advice or recommendations. Nothing in this episode is to be construed as medical advice or to substitute for individualized fitness or nutrition advice. Always consult with the appropriate professional for your own needs.